What's up, guys? Episode 46. I got Fumble Podcast, and I got an amazing guest today because I haven't seen him in over 10 years. Uh, but we go way back to when I, uh, I mean, well over 10 years, I, I would say. But we went back to, uh, we were coworkers, and then we just went our separate ways, but we always kept in touch. And I always follow his his story and everything. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give you a proper intro. But Kirk Jackson, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm well, Kirk, man. It's been a while. It's been a long time. But I, uh, I, I owe you a proper intro because this is actually why I wanted you on. Aside from catching up, um, boxing has gone back into the uh, limelight uh, as of uh, late and uh, I wanted your input on that as well as just to see how, how, where you've been so um, uh, Kirk <clears throat> has been a national champion in boxing and uh, he still maintains his activity within the sport um, and he's also a coach at UC Davis man that's my uh, alma mater um, yeah yeah man and and uh, he coaches the UC Davis boxing team which is uh good to see and hear um you're also a reporter uh he's he covers and attends events interviews fighters um and has friends serving as trainers and um active trainers and professional currently um yeah man what's up (laughs) dude what what got you into boxing I, i remember you was training way back when we were even uh working together and um and then you know you were just telling me how you, you train and and uh yeah you try to eat clean and and you've been consistent as all hell man and and that in in this in today's society being consistent is actually one of the strongest uh uh attributes uh to have and and being able to ignore all the noise ignore the temptations so i guess what i want to start with is what got you interested in boxing? What age did you start to really look at boxing as, as a sport you wanted to pursue? Um, what first got me into boxing is probably Mike Tyson. Um, growing up as a kid, uh, my family would always host things like on fight night, Saturday. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a standard with American families where whenever there's a big event, a big fight, um, now the UFC is kind of taking precedence, but um, there'd be a, a big event. So there'd be people would order pizza or we'd make whatever food and family would come over. And um, I was always intrigued by the event itself and and seeing the fighters and Mike Tyson in particular. I loved his style, very aggressive. With, with certain athletes, you can kind of see um like certain emotional traits that you like like you, you can sense his aggression and um yeah. i was intrigued by that so i'd say when i was very young uh mike tyson that's crazy man um and, and uh, listen i i get the 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 american uh practice of getting family over for a for a boxing pay-per-view especially when uh, you and i were kids i think boxing was what was really in the forefront because of Mike Tyson uh, specifically, but there were a few fighters out there that were, you know, hall of fame worthy, obviously. And also just, they, they were running the world 
and it was uh mike was one obviously uh uh evander holy evander holyfield yeah he oscar was, de la hoya oscar de la hoya that's right um and they're making a movie by the way with uh about mike tyson and have you heard about this it's, it's like a biopic with jamie fox yeah yeah I, he he had been pitching that idea for several years he had yeah and i'm so happy that he's actually uh i don't know if it's already wrapped shooting or it's uh because i remember it he uh was posting on his instagram about like how he had transformed his his look and he looked just like him man it's crazy it's crazy how and and, he, and we already know like his uh impression of him is is 100 on point but uh yeah boxing was um what what do you think happened? I mean, obviously MMA came into the play and, and it, uh, for the, uh, average viewer, um, more ways to hit the opponent is more exciting to watch. Right. But that, um, uh, it's a whole different art and it's, a, I feel like in my opinion, I think boxing, the reason, and, and you, your expertise can, can weigh in on this obviously, but I just wanted to, say that i thought boxing got an, a lot of heat over in the 90s especially in late 80s and 90s when it became almost like a there was a lot of conspiracy about the outcomes and and that it, it started to feel like pro wrestling right it, it started to kind of get that image right and nothing wrong with pro wrestling it's just you know everybody knows the outcomes are predetermined in pro wrestling it is a hard ass sport to be in though it, you, you can sure. definitely you can definitely get hurt in pro wrestling um there's nothing fake about it but um it was just yeah it got clumped into that where where do you agree that that was a big factor or or no yeah, I mean, controversy sells, but at the end of the day, when there's too much controversy resulting it, or w which helps bring upon bad results, then I think the fan base or the audience is going to become uh, discontent with what they're seeing. Uh, with boxing, I think also what hurt the sport is there's so many politics that go on that not too many people are well informed about. Uh, politics meaning there are several different promoters and a lot of the promoter or every promoter, they're going to work in their best interest. So that means we won't see every single fight that we want to see. And with yeah. that greed of each respective promoter, along with the greed of different networks that broadcast each fight, along with different sanctioning bodies, yeah. that, that yeah. it's made boxing very complicated to the casual fan and prevented some of the biggest matchups from happening. You know, that's a problem we have with uh, with the sport where you kind of have independent contractors yep. as opposed to the NBA or the NFL where you have a schedule where every team at some point is going to meet up with the respective conference with the best of the best from each conference meeting at the very end. And with boxing, we don't have that. Yeah. Do you think it should be implemented like some sort of schedule? I think so, but that'll be so difficult to put together. Uh, in order for that to happen, everything would have to fall under one umbrella. So with the UFC, for example, I mean, so there's mixed martial arts, but the UFC has done such a great job with branding. People always associate mixed martial arts with UFC. Right. 
and they don't always acknowledge the the, the different organizations like uh, Bellator, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the UFC, Dana White, even though he may not be in control of of uh, matching everyone up per se, he is the the figurehead of the company, and more times than not, they're going to uh, put together matchups that intrigue the audience. And even if they don't, they have such a stronghold on their media representation that the media is going to put out certain narratives that um, pretty much portray that, no, we're making the best match available, even if we're not. So I see. So they have a really strong uh, business model that's successful for them. Right. And um, yeah, I I mean, I could see that causing challenges for... Uh, now, boxing has kind of, you know, uh, with uh, Mayweather, you know, he he helped kind of keep keep it in the limelight to a degree, and especially with his undefeated streak. And um, but you know, the the heavyweights were was where like it was it was it took a big dip, right? Um, for some reason, for me, I always think when I think boxing, I'm like the top names that come to my mind other than Mayweather is usually the heavyweights, right? It's like the, the lighter weight uh, fighters. I don't know why they wouldn't get as much love, but there's a lot of great fighters that are in the lighter division. Uh, what weight did you, did you fight at? I fought at 139. So technically if we're going real old school, that'd be considered welterweight. Okay. Um, in the newer era, it's junior welterweight. So, um, uh, I fought at that weight and at 147, which is welterweight. Yeah. And, yeah. and for the, I guess, casual, not casuals, but people not as informed, uh, the average person, for example, would probably fight in that division. So historically at welterweight, junior welterweight, those were, those uh, showcase some of the greatest athletes that we've had because there's more, more in that weight. Population. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, I wrestled in high school, and I and I was horrible. Uh, I may have told you this, I may have told you this when I was uh, when we were working together, but um, we had a dude on our team. This kid was like sixteen, but he was a Mack truck man. He was like uh, I want to say two seventy. Yeah, 270. And that's not it. He wasn't like a short big guy. He was six foot five. Like he was like, I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, did you fail high school like 13 times? (laughs) Like it it just it just felt like he was um, uh, he was well ahead of his league. He he actually went by the name Taz, which is funny. Like that's what they called him. It it makes sense. But he was on the wrestling team and he never. like he would never lose uh, just purely based on the fact that any opponent was like up to his waist. Like (laughs) even if they were his weight, like they couldn't like get him down. They couldn't, you know, get their arms around his neck. It was just, uh, uh, when you were talking about most people being in the welterweight or or the junior welterweight. Now you said that's a modern thing, right? The junior welterweight. Is that uh, because everyone's getting bigger? (laughs) Is that, um, I think for competition and for safety reasons during, I can't say which specific year, but probably the 1940s, 50s, 60s, we saw an expansion of the weight classes. So I think originally there were seven weight classes uh, ranging from anywhere to like 
10 to 15 pounds in uh, indifference. So in order to better protect the fighters and potentially make more fights, they would, uh, instead of there being a 15 pound disparity, they cut it to seven, seven and a half. So there's more weight classes. Yeah. So um, seven and a half pounds would be the difference between one to the next. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Um, and you were a national champ. Yes, sir. Tell us about that, man. Uh, it was an extremely tough journey because when I was competing, I was going to school. I was uh, attending the University of Nevada, Reno, and um, I was on the boxing team. So basically, I competed in the NCAA uh, version of boxing uh, collegiately. And um, it was a very tough road. Like some of the athletes, I commend all the athletes because not only are we boxing, but we're going to school. Uh, many of us are working jobs. I can't say, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, I was working two to three jobs, um, going to school full time, going to practice. Uh, some, some days I'd wake up like at six in the morning. I'd either run, um, prepare for work or go to school. And then depending on what I did, I'd either go to school, go to work, go to practice or whatever the case may be. And my night wouldn't end until 11 o'clock because I'd always uh, do a final workout. No matter and, what. Um, what's that? No matter what, you got it yeah, in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That takes yeah. discipline, man. Um, how, how did you build that discipline? Did you always have it or you had to work on it? How did, how did you do that? It, it didn't come naturally for me. I, I was fortunate that for the team that I was on, we had a few other national champions in different weight classes. And uh, one person in particular, Jared Santos, he uh, pretty much set the example. He was like the the Tim Duncan of the team, like very quiet to himself, but he wasn't someone who was above criticism. And he would just lead by example. I'd see him uh, running after practice, running before practice. And I'm like, well, he's regarded as the best person on our team. He's one of the best uh, fighters and I admire what he does. If I want to achieve the same level as him, I should emulate what he does. And, um, it just so happens a lot of the athletes that I looked up to growing up pretty much had the similar mindset and yeah. the work ethic. So you know. that's great. But there's a reason you followed them, right? There's a reason you, you, uh, you gravitated to those athletes. Um, for sure. I think, I think you possessed it yourself. Um, even when we were young, man, I, I would see that. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I was definitely not disciplined at that age, but you know, in our like, uh, what was it like late teenage years, early twenties, I would be like, uh, what are you doing after work? You're like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, work. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go exercise. I got to get ready. Uh, what years did you compete in though? What specifically? So university of nevada i'm trying to remember if that was before or after or during when we were that was that was after we initially met so i'd say yeah. from 2013 up and through 2016 yeah that okay yeah yep yeah. so so how did it happen what were the national championship fight Take us um, that. okay so so even just with the whole boxing journey, I actually didn't intend on, on competing. Um, I was working for the school paper, the Sagebrush at, at UNR, and I was asked to cover an event. And so I went by, covered the event. 
And um, I stopped by the gym and I just said, uh, let me just give it a shot. Mine as well. Yeah. And uh, the coaches t- took a liking to me. And I'd say maybe a week or two after I had sparred, um, they actually set a match for me. And uh, I fortunately won. And and then we just went on from there. Um, as far as the nationals go, just like with uh, any other collegiate sport, like with the NCAA or, or I'm sorry, with like basketball or football, yeah. there's a, like a, a conference championship or like a regional. Yeah. So I had to compete in the Western regional, which was going against different schools like Washington or um, the air force, for example. Um, after I was successful in the regional, if you, if you are, you advance to the national, which features everyone from across the country. Yeah. And it's a three day tournament. So you win and you, you win and you advance and won the first fight by a TKO. Nice. And um, the guy that I actually defeated, he's actually professional now. And I believe he's nine and zero. Wow. He signed with a big time heavyweight fighter. I can't say it. I can't say who it is, but yeah, um, I'm very happy for him. That's great. Um, The second fight I had, um, I won't say it was fairly easy, but I, I, I did really well. Yeah. And then the third fight was against Army. And that was one of the tougher fights I had just because I was so nervous because I had preparing so much and uh, I had all this pressure. I put all this pressure on myself. Yeah. I, I felt like I'd be a failure if I didn't win, even though that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. And um, just going against someone who's very shifty, very determined, he, he, went, he went to Army. He attended Army. They yeah. trained to kill. You know, that, <laughs> that, that, that's their mindset. Right. They're a military school. So um, it was very tough. But I'll say that once my name was announced, it was very gratifying. Um, I broke down in tears. My mom was there in attendance. Um, it, it was pretty cool. That's great, man. That's that's awesome, man. And did you uh, was that a decision? The last fight? Yeah, yeah it, it, it was a split decision, actually. Oh, wow. So they, they, had, they had to, you know, build up the drama. To- <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's incredible, man. Good for you. I believe. I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I, you, Thank you. You're a you're a hell of a hard worker, and and you don't complain, which is which is admirable because a lot of people bitch and moan all the time when when things don't go their way, instead of looking at it as an opportunity to grow. Um, I'm learning that. I've been learning that in the last four or five years, and and myself, because uh, I'm. There's nothing for me to hide. I, I, I was, I would say I was one of those people, right? In the beginning, it, it started to hit me later when I realized, damn, I got to Like, I started to also look up to athletes that I admired, like Kobe or, or, uh, you know, Michael or, cause you know, basketball is my sport, but, um, not professionally or even collegiately, but, um, I just love the game. And so a lot of the naturally, a lot of the, uh, athletes that i looked up to are in, are in the nba or basketball but anyway um it just it was clear to me it just became clear to me what i needed to do i needed to just apply myself and 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 enjoy the journey right as opposed to just look for the results because that's the results almost aren't as important it's 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 the learning you get along the way i wish uh, i would have enjoyed the journey I, I, <laughs> <laughs> really. Like I, 
honestly, and I didn't have that instantly as far as like knowing that I, I have to really put forth the amount of effort that I had to. Yeah. Um, there was a fight that I felt like I won that I did not win, but I knew I realized my shortcoming came from the lack of preparation. Like I, I didn't, it, it was a feeling like I know I could have won if I'd have done this, if I'd have worked a little bit harder on this day. Mm-hmm. And I had came to the conclusion that, you know, at the end of the day, even if I win or lose, I'm going to feel like shit if I haven't applied the maximum effort possible. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I'm fortunate for for taking that L on that particular night and coming to that realization because, as you said, you can't make excuse. I mean, you can make an excuse, but you can also overcome it. Right. And I try and live by the the saying of greatness doesn't operate on equal terms. Right. If you want to be great, you have to go above and beyond. And, you know, you can't really worry about complaining about certain situations. You got to rise above it. Hey, that's hundred percent, man. It's a, it's character. It it builds your character, man. I think those uh, shortcomings or or the L's to me, they're just learning opportunities They're you know, you learn, I don't even look at them as losses necessarily. Right. I just look at them as like, you learned from, uh from that bout or from that game or whatever and then you you apply it moving forward and that's all you can do is move forward and and take your experiences to just build a better version of yourself in any field not even just sports it ha- it can apply in in your career outside of sports or you know even in, in tech or whatever field that you're passionate about um so Man, that's cool. So what uh what happened after the nationals and and um what ultimately did you, like got you to not want to pursue a professional career or maybe you did, I don't know. Um re- realizing how hard I had to work um just on the amateur level and at the level I was at. Yeah. Um and I wasn't even at I would consider myself at the, the 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 highest level of amateur because I believe that's the Olympic the uh, Olympics. Yeah. So um, I was just like, I, I know that there's certain things I want to do in life as yeah. far as um, like with with news media and things like that. But I also have the understanding that the punishment that you take on a day to day basis with boxing or any other combat sport isn't going to be conducive to me being successful in that. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I knew I, I couldn't, I felt like I, I really couldn't continue to travel that path and pursue my other, my other goals as well. Yeah. So, um, Hell man. That's, I mean, I feel like you had goals. That's already like a win, man. <laughs> People don't, don't even usually get that far. Like they're just like, I, I just want to make money. <laughs> so, you know, but the goals are great. And I remember you were into journalism and uh, specifically for boxing. Now, is that now is that expanded to other sports or are you, are you still doing that or how's that coming along? Um, I mean, my focus is on boxing, but um, I've, I've published stories for different sports like the NBA. Um, uh swimming rugby uh when you're when you're a beat writer for this 
for like any publication, a lot of times you don't really have a choice on what to cover. You just oh, have to do yeah. what they tell you. Sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, it's a good experience because it opens up your 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 eyes to different experiences for sure. Yeah. And the relationships you you develop with your other interactions, you can incorporate that into um, uh, yourself really, and just and building upon um, your profile, your portfolio, and, and into your brand. So, um, I definitely don't want to focus on one single thing. Single thing. I want to branch out and do various things, not even just with sports, but with, with politics and with music. And I, I don't want to limit myself to one thing. Right. Uh, so where do you go from here? What, what, what's on the horizon for you as far as journalism and, and, uh, writing, uh, being a beat writer and like, where do you see yourself going? Or you may already have goals that are coming into play. What, what's, what's that about? What do you got? I think the ultimate goal for anyone, for any profession is ownership. You want to, you want to own your, your own uh likeness your own platform as what what you're doing right you want to want to be the boss um that that way you have creative control yeah uh, you you have you're not uh inhibited by by other factors you have that freedom to to do what you want to do even if you don't reach the success that you may feel like you should reach you can live on the laurels of you're putting in the work. You're you're the master of your own destiny and of your own path. So yeah. um, I'm currently uh, putting together. I, I have a few blogs and, and sites, but um, I want to put together another site that uh, encompasses everything as far as the different um, like genres of what to cover, as far as like sports, politics, etc. Um, so that that's in the making right now. That's killer, man. That's awesome. Um... One thing that's helped me a lot is a calendar, dude. I've, yeah, I've, for sure. I've, for sure. I mean, you, <laughs> it, it may have looked empty right now, but it's not. I have stuff written sure. down. It's just, uh, and and that's something I actually told myself before the end of 21. I was like, because I, I had everything on my phone, right? But it was like, it didn't like, and I wasn't like missing things on my day to day. Like I was getting stuff done, but. Um, there was some sort of like, there's some sort of satisfaction with actually physically checking off, right? Like I literally make a list and, and when I do it every day, it, it did something for me that really like compartmentalized everything in my brain. And it was just like, all right, I know I got to get this, this like dates started to matter more. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't just like open-ended, like. I got like, I started to be accountable for myself. And now that I'm in the, in the entertainment industry, uh, full force with comedy and, and my skits online and everything, like, you know, it's, uh, it's a huge leap for me, but like you said, I'm, it's all my thing, right? It's my own thing. I'm not, um, yeah, it's a whole game that I'm learning, like with, with stand up. like I'm learning that right now. And there's a, there's a whole other world, stand up comedy. Like I'm learning like being a sketch artist like that I'm used to, which is what I kind of grew up doing work, you know, in the theater world or, or, or just uh, small acting gigs, like here and there directing musicals. Like those are all, those all kind of like groomed me to do sketch comedy and, and, and 
post my own content. And now with TikTok and Instagram and everything, it's so it's like all the tools you need to promote yourself, right? It, we're like in the we're in the dawn of that. And eventually apparently everybody's gonna have a doppelganger in the meta metaverse. So uh I guess like I gotta start working on my uh lookalike guy. But uh and I gotta anyway. commend you. I gotta commend you for that too, because that takes a lot of confidence for you to have that belief and for you to put out sketches and you know, you're you're leaving yourself uh like vulnerable for for whether it be criticism or any kind of analysis or public assessment. And that takes a lot of courage to do that. So I definitely commend you on that. Thank you, man. No, it, it was uh initially, yeah, that was like one of the things I had to get comfortable with because when I was younger. I mean, I'm 36 now, but when I was like in my early 20s, and I've shared this story on this podcast previously. So, um, but the, to sum it up, it was like I I was in a I was in a band. I was touring. Like my my music, as you know, like that's what I was doing, and and I still love music, and I still pursue it, and I teach music, and you know that's that's the other business that I built starting in 2010, 2011. Um, you know, but I always loved making people laugh. Like I didn't want, and speaking of Jamie Foxx, he was one of my influences, right? Growing up. Um, Cause he did everything I loved doing and he was great at all of them. Right. And it's like, and any interview I hear about him, he's like, I just did what I love to do. Like, you know, growing up in Texas for him. And he was like, I, and he, apparently his grandmother um, was really like, he, she really pushed him. Right. Like, so like that, I guess I would say is like the one difference, right. Not to make excuses, but like, it was like, he was pushed to pursue his, his dreams. Right. And he was a hilarious guy from back in the day, like, uh, in living color when he got his, his, uh, start, but even before that, right. Uh, when he was Eric Bishop, <laughs> that was his real name. And then he, uh, and how he got into the stand up scene and learning that, but, like you said, though, it just takes um, believing in yourself and doing it because you love it. And I think that's what I've been, what really got me to jump on the web and, and start sharing my content. Because I I found out, like, if I thought of something that was funny to me, I was like, all right, there's at least 10 people that are going to agree that that's funny. And that's that's good enough for me, right? I was like, I'm going to share it. Like, I want, especially with the climate in the world right now, like everything is about negativity and everything's about like bullshit. And like, it's not even half of it is not even validated. It's not even real. So it's like, nah, man, I'm going to share stuff. That's just wholesome that I found. Like if I can laugh at it, I know others will. And if they don't laugh at it, cool. I tried. It's all, it's all right. Right. It, it, the idea is to keep doing it. And, and I, and I love it. And, the more I do it, the more I realize like it actually mentally affects the rest of my day in a good way. It like uplifts me. Like I feel, I feel like alive. I feel like, Oh man, I did something. I created something, you know? So, um, and the opposite is true too. When, when I don't create, I start to feel it right after a while. Like, it's like, it feels like there's like a mountain on me after a while. I'm just like, uh, why am I like just going through the, you know, just emotions. I'm not really like feeling like I'm living, but. And if you don't do it, um, like whatever the case may be for anyone, that's your absolute answer. Like you're not doing it. 
Like, yeah. what's the worst? That's the worst that can happen. You're not doing it. If you do it, you might surprise yourself. Yeah. You miss a hundred percent of every shot you don't take. That's what, right. that's, uh, uh, I can't even credit. I can't remember who quoted that, but I've heard it a bunch of times and I've seen it, but anyway, it's, it's true though. Um, and I approach basketball with the same love, man. I play it and, and, uh, but I never pr- really wanted basketball to be the, the main thing that I pursued. Um, also with basketball, there's physical limitations after a while. Right. So it's like, it wasn't we played one on one too back in the day. Yeah, I remember. I remember. We're not going to talk about the game, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it's like the. Uh, I feel like the, you know, with sports, pursuing sports, and you said it too. You know, you wanted to pursue journalism and and reporting and uh, boxing specifically. You know, it's such a. a uh, injury prone sport uh with long-term damages that can cause uh affect your elder years so and we've seen it um i mean the great the goat muhammad ali like you know at towards the end of his life you know he had a parkinson's was it yeah Yeah. i mean i i haven't seen the reports on it but it's it's an educated guess that it was a direct result of his boxing career. So for sure, you know, so it's, um, but I think that's the price you, uh, those that do like, that's all they want to do. That's the price they're willing to pay. Look at NFL, right? It, it happens right. all the time. Um, so well, anyway, you, con- you, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just say you get what you sign up for. Like we, we know, we know the risks. So yeah, exactly. The risks are there, but, I think when you love something and and you feel wholesome about it and and the word I always use and it's all and I plaster it all over my Twitter and all over my Instagram posts and my story but purity man it's when when at your purest form that's what you gravitate towards that was your calling that's what you're supposed to be doing right now um some some careers are more injury prone than others uh and it's not just sports. There's other there are other activities that can lead to that. I mean, a pilot. There's a, hot, a lot of risks for a pilot, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, it's uh, it's fascinating. Now, on a lighter note, let's talk about uh, how boxing is coming back with uh, the Cleveland boys, the the <laughs> the Paul brothers. What what's up? What, what do you think of them? Um, from a purist standpoint, I don't, <laughs> you talk to any purist, like hardcore boxing fan, or even, even many fighters, they're like, ah, they're a lot of them. They're, they're kind of clowns, Yeah. but I can respect what they're doing. And I do see the long-term benefit for, for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're bringing a whole different audience into the sport, like yeah. the, the, the TikTok generation, what Z audience or yeah gen z yeah gen z i'm hey i'm on tiktok i i i clump myself with gen z's (laughs) yeah so i mean and that's smart it's it's smart it's good for business they're uh they kind of latched on a little bit to the conor mcgregor floyd mayweather uh audience they're bringing in their own audience um i i understand that what they're doing and how they're doing it like even for the tyron woodley fight that um Jake Paul was in. I already knew Tyrone was going to lose. And I felt like he was going to get knocked out. 
Why, why, why did you think that? Because, and I mean, no disrespect to the MMA fighters, but a lot of the MMA fighters, they don't specifically train for boxing. And as we discussed a little bit earlier, it's a completely different sport. Yeah. Um, there's certain nuances that you learn uh, with your experience uh, training specifically for boxing. Those nuances that Jake Paul was able to pick up mm -hmm. and they can say what they want about him. He's training with elite trainers. I know them. Yeah. He's training yeah. with elite fighters and getting really high quality sparring. Mm -hmm. And even though Tyron is a professional fighter, he didn't have enough time to make up the different the gap in right. the in the experience. And also, and he was a substitute on the second fight, right? He, right. Yeah. And he's he's thirty nine years old. He's uh he's been through a lot of wear and tear. He's kind of washed up. Like no disrespect to him, but it is what it is. And Showtime as a company. They're not going to waste their golden ticket. They're yeah. going to put him in a fight where they feel like he's going to win because they want to keep the money train rolling. So they're going to end up putting him against, I believe, Conor McGregor at some point. So it's a money fight, right? It's a, sure. it's a business, like we said, but I just hope it doesn't. I just hope that, I mean, every fight, there's like a million people who are not educated in boxing will say, oh, that, that shit was fixed, oh, this, that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, the purists can see through all that. They see when it's real and when it, when it isn't. But I got to ask you, though, like that Mayweather-Logan Paul fight, I, well, I, I looked at it as an exhibition, right? It wasn't. Yeah, exhibition. for sure. It was yeah. like, do you yeah. really believe in your heart of hearts that Mayweather would go eight rounds with Logan? No. <laughs> he, he 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 carried him just uh i think he caught him with a with a pretty good right hand counter in one of the early rounds and knocked dude off his feet yeah so he he carried him just like he carried conor mcgregor people want to sit here and argue with me that conor could compete with a high level hall of fame boxer pretend no floyd yeah. carried him yeah. he had an agreement with dana white going into it that he's not going to seriously damage Connor because they still need to use him for the UFC. It was yeah. like a, a joint agreement. So, yeah, that's funny, man. But so then what do you think that is that good for boxing or bad ultimately when, when the fights are being carried as opposed to being honest, it's good for the business of boxing for the networks and for the major companies, but for the integrity, the integrity of boxing, it's bad. It's, yeah, to me, it's horrible. Um, we shouldn't be seeing these guys in the ring. But I will say though, for Jake Paul, what I the one thing I do like, he's brought on a lot of unknown fighters or lesser known fighters and put them on his undercard, so that they're getting a lot of shine. Like Amanda Serrano, for example, she's like a three or four division world champion, and she's unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm glad she's getting the opportunity to fight in front of a wide audience. So. Um, I mean, what do you think, like what happens in the locker room with all these fighters, right? When they see like a Williams and Gore walk in to, for a, for a fight, that's more about NBA versus NFL, as opposed to an actual boxing bout. Um, it's kind of like looking at a car wreck, like, you know, <laughs> like well, I, I mean, Gore, Frank Gore looks like a car wreck. Honestly, he, with all he, <laughs> he does. And you know, uh, For, for all these fighters, um, athletes, YouTubers, I give them respect for getting in the ring because it takes a lot of courage. But um, yeah. 
I, I don't think any of the the boxers, the boxing community, take take these fights serious. Yeah. Um, I heard Logan Paul is going to fight Mike Tyson at some point. <laughs> okay. Do not be surprised if Mike Tyson takes a dive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but see, like it. I I think the bottom line is we'll still watch that, right? And yeah, I feel for sure. Like that, that's that's the business side. Is even though. We suspect that it's it's not going to be pure. It's gonna we're still going to watch it for entertainment purposes. We so that's where the pro wrestling side comes in, right? It's like oh, it's just entertainment. I want right. to see it for the entertainment factor, and and I guess yeah, that is good. But um, if if fans want to stop that, do uh, do what they did for the last Jake Paul fight. I think they'd only had sixty five thousand buys. Yeah. So there are other variables that attributed to the failure of of that um, event, but what was the expected rate? What was the expected rate on that foot on the buy rate? I'm not sure, but I'm assuming Showtime probably expected at least a hundred thousand. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, Jake, by the way, I was in Ireland not too long ago. I flew there. uh, My brother-in-law lives there and he's lived there his whole life. And he, he, knows connor and he said oh, okay. yeah but he's he knew him as like through like association right like he knows him through other avenues and he was telling me how ireland like when we went there he had told me before but this was my first trip to ireland he was like dude no one in dublin likes him i was like <laughs> i was like wait why he's like he's like come i'll show you and he took me by his gym he's like that was the gym he started at. He, was, he started as a boxer, right? A McGregor did. And he's like, do you see any pictures of him anywhere? I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. So so then he told me, he told me like, he, we talked about that. And he told me like because he's, you know, he didn't, he wasn't humble. And he kind of like stepped on the people who uh, were, uh, helped train him and get him to where he was at. And once he got the money, he kind of just turned his back on them. And he's like, so because of that, and, and the Irish are very passionate. So they, they love loyalty and stuff. So he said, for those reasons, the elder Irish people kind of got turned off by him big time. The, the younger kids, like they, they like him just cause you know, he, he's, he carries the same flag, but um, right. so anyway, and then he, later on, like a couple of days later, he's like, by the way, that Jake Paul guy is my hero. I'm like, I was like, dude, how do you, I was like, listen to me. What you told me about McGregor is exactly how the Americans feel about Jake and, and Logan Jake more so. Cause he's more, he's more of a talker, but um, it was just funny. Like we had the same, like, cause I like McGregor, but he mm-hmm. didn't, he was like, he's trash here. But like, anyway, and he was going for Khabib in that big fight they had. He was like, (laughs) but Khabib, see, like, I feel like Khabib was like, he got the fights, like the big time fights. And he's not, he wasn't greedy. Like, he's like, I'm good. Uh, And and he's gone back to coaching, right? He's not, I mean, his brother is in now, or is it his brother or his cousin? I'm not sure. Uh, I I, I think it's his um i'm not sure who it is it's his younger brother now that is fighting and he's he's whooping ass now but anyway don't want to keep you too long i just wanted to mention all that um well cool man uh it's been we got to get back and hoop again where where are you at now these days i'm in sacramento but where are you at 
No, me too. Oh, really? <laughs> this is the fifth episode I've had where I ask my guests where they're at, and they're like freaking down the road from me. It's insane. It's and that's on me. I need to do a better job of of keeping connected. But I'm gonna reach it, out it, to you. It's man. on me too. It's mutual. Yeah, for sure, man. We got yeah. Let's hoop it up. I mean, once this, I mean, this COVID stuff is crazy, but. Um, I don't even hoop anymore because of that. I mean, I haven't been in a gym uh, and I got people who still go in and they're like, just keep a mask on. I'm like, it's just, that's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. But it's like, it's just a lot of headache to just try to, like, I love hooping, but I'll just do it outside. I'll just go shoot for two hours. Right. And I, and I'll just work on my drills. So but, you know, we can meet out there once the weather is good. Luckily, we live in a good state where there's no real winters. But uh, I'm definitely down. I haven't hooped in like seven years or so. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to make sure that that shows when we play because I, 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 <laughs> I owe you. I owe you one. <laughs> yeah, you got to get me. It's, it's all good, though. For sure, man. Hey, Kirk, you want to plug away anything? You got any uh, any social media or, or any... Uh, any of your uh, articles that uh, we can reach out? Um, Instagram, follow me, Kirk, still K-I-R-K underscore Jackson. Uh, Twitter, I believe I'm KJackson9000. Um, you can follow me on Boxing Insider. That's the main website I write for. Uh, Muckrack, uh, M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K for all my articles. And then if you can, keep an eye out for the Scope Network. That's going to be my my own platform that I release. Hell yeah, bro. You guys heard that. So uh, give this man some love. Go uh, follow him on all his platforms. Read his articles. Share his articles. Um, and you know where to find me, Pesh the Maniac, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, um, all of those. And then Fumble Podcast. Make sure you hit that, hit that subscribe button, sma smash that like button, uh, and the bell so you don't miss any episodes coming up. This has been episode 46. My man, Kirk. I'm Pej. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>